Your Bibles, please, for our first reading to Psalms 28 and 29. Psalm 28, verse 1, Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God, a psalm of David. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord my rock, be not silent to me, lest, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward Thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert, because they regard not the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song I will praise him. The Lord is their strength. And he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so we'll take these psalms uh, one after the other. In Psalm 28, we have that the psalmist cries out, David cries out, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, that is Jehovah, my rock. Uh, He prays to Jehovah, his rock. This speaks of the Lord's stability, that he is an anchor to those who who come to him, that they can rest upon him and never be moved. He is that covenant-keeping, promise-honoring God that will always be there when his people call upon him. 
So we have faith in and hope in the Lord and in no other. He is the only rock. Um, then uh, be not silent to me. Really, the the uh, the Hebrew here is is be not deaf to my cries. Of course, we know that deaf and silence often go together, and that's why it says here, be not silent. Uh, it's it's don't. Uh, don't treat with me as if you don't hear me and have no answer to me. This is what David means here. And so he implores the Lord for an answer. And notice, when I cry unto thee and lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Uh, it was the custom of many in Israel to pray with their hands raised up. Paul will make that a New Testament thing. You'll see me do this when I'm leading in prayer in the congregation. I lift up my hands because Paul says that we should do that in 1 Timothy chapter 2. So that's why I do it. Um, in case you were wondering. Uh, David uh, says, I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. The holy oracle would be that place where God's word comes forth, right? Um, and the lifting up of the hands, like we heard in the last reading this morning, where David will say, I lift up my soul. For the Hebrew, we remember that the soul is the whole being, the life, right? And so the lifting up would be like those heave offerings of old, where they were lifted up before the Lord, then they were returned to the priest to make use of, right? So that he could eat, in other words. Sometimes they were waved before the Lord. Sometimes they were heaved up before the Lord. Well, we are that same kind of offering, are we not? We are living sacrifices. We are lifted up in offering to the Lord, yet we are returned so that we may serve the Lord, both. Right? So we're like those old heave offerings that were given up in the air uh, uh, symbolically and then made use of in another way. We're, we're kind of like that same thing. We're lifted up to the Lord and then we are used in another way. So hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. Notice the word crying here. This is not boo-hoo kind of cry. This is urgent kind of cry. Vehemence and, uh, uh, you know, uh, speaks of, of uh, something that is happening that is urgent. So there's an urgence and a vehemence to David's prayers. Uh, we want to separate that, don't we? We want to separate the idea of urgency and vehemence from impatience we don't want to be impatient when we pray yet we want also to express an urgency and vehemence that is commensurate with our troubles so then uh, <clears throat> he asks for deliverance from his enemies draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors but mischief is in their hearts this is an interesting uh, turn of phrase, there are those who are hypocritical, right? They speak peace, but really mischief is in their hearts. Um, they may not even realize it's mischief. They may speak, you know, oh, I'm a nice guy, you're a nice guy, you know, that, that kind of feeling. It might, might be just that, you know, here we are neighbors, we're, a, we're, we're comrades, if you will. We're both citizens of this country and of this state and of this town and of this street. Right, we, and and so we have all these things in common, and so they would maybe uh, desire to be friends based on some kind of friendship that 
is not really God-honoring or God-glorifying. In other words, it doesn't have God as its aim or his glory. Well, we want that kind of good relation with our neighbors, but we also want to remember that we don't want to be drawn away with unbelievers. And this is an important consideration. We do work in this world. We do uh, conduct commerce in this world. We do live next to people on our streets and in our towns that are not the Lord's. And so we want to make sure that our relation with them is the right kind of relation. They, they may not mean us harm, but if they draw us away from the Lord, they are doing us harm. If they become a distraction to us, even if it's a distraction in innocent things, beloved, let's be careful with those, with those kinds of associations. <clears throat> so then give them according to their deeds, according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert, their reward. And notice what their great crime is. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, they shall destroy them. Not what you expected. Right? They don't regard the works of the Lord. They don't give him glory. They don't give him the recognition that is due to him in everything. They are people that simply don't believe him. Don't believe in him. They may not be, you know, some of the worst people that we know. They may, they may be some of the finest civic people that we know. But beloved, if someone does not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, they will be destroyed. And so it becomes our duty then, not only to be careful how we associate, but also that we're speaking of the works of the Lord and the operation of his hands. That we have that ready profession of faith on our lips at all times. That thankfulness unto the Lord that always belongs to him. So that we are making known to them the works of the Lord and the operation of his hands. So then verse 6. Blessed be the Lord because he hath heard the voice of of my supplication. God has heard his prayers. The resolution of this psalm is a good one. The Lord sustains him even in the face of persecution. Um, this is God's doing. His response then is praise. So we have the very real heavenly influences over the life of the psalmist. The Lord has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is, this, is my strength and shield. My heart trusted in him. And I am helped, therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. And with my song I will praise him, and so on. All right, so that is Psalm 28. We turn to Psalm 29. <clears throat> so the mighty ones of the earth are called upon to ascribe or give unto the Lord glory and strength. Why would the mighty ones be singled out here? Well, there are a couple of possibilities, right? Um, and they're not exclusive one of another. So the first possibility is David is using that word mighty like he sometimes uses it elsewhere. Those who are in position of authority in the world. Governors, rulers, civil leaders. Ye mighty ones, give glory unto the Lord and give strength unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord 
the glory that is due unto, unto his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. All the mighty ones of the earth are called upon to do that. If they are, if they are the civil leaders, the civil governors of this world, as a part of our service to them as Christians, we must remind them that they are but men, that they are but those who will give account to him who rules in the heavens, that they too must learn to ascribe glory unto the Lord. Perhaps the mighty ones are not the civic leaders of the world. Perhaps they are those who are in positions of martial warfare, right? Generals of armies, if you will, which is a kind of magistrate, but perhaps more specific. We'll remember that David himself was a king, but also he was a warrior. And so David will say, you other mighties, and we'll remember that David had his mighties, didn't he? Right? So give glory to the Lord. And so David, perhaps as a godly king, speaks to all of those mighty ones that were under him, under his command. Give glory to the Lord. He required of his men that they also glorify the Lord in the way that they pursued their callings. So whoever those mighty ones are, the, the mighty ones of the earth, the mighty ones of armies, all are called upon here to give the Lord the glory that is due unto his name for he is mightier than them all. And that's what David goes on to describe in the rest of the psalm. And he'll do it with, a, with what we might call a master class on the voice of the Lord. Over and again, David uses that term, the voice of the Lord. So there are some things that are said about the Lord's voice here. It's powerful. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. It makes them to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like, like the young unicorn, like the young rhino, if you will. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. It shakes the wilderness. Uh, it makes the hinds to calve. It discovers the forests. And then in his temple, everyone speaks of his glory. Um, there was something that I noticed here that I was meditating on yesterday as I looked at this passage again. Uh, and, I, and I wanted to uh, bring it out to you because I, I think it's very, very helpful, very encouraging. So back in the last psalm, we heard about people that speak peace, but mischief is in their hearts. And then we have this following psalm, the voice of the Lord. May I say it this way, beloved? And this psalm makes it explicit that the voice of the Lord is no different than the Lord himself. There is no equivocation with him. There is no movement in language and distance between what's on the inside and what's on the outside, if you will. When the Lord speaks with his voice, he speaks from his being. The Lord is one, right? And so with the Lord, when we hear him speak, we don't ever have to doubt what's going on. It is indeed him speaking powerfully. And that was uh, clear in verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. You see how David did that there? You see what he did? So first he said it was the voice of the Lord, and then it was the Lord himself. Right? So the voice of the Lord and the Lord himself, they are not distinct one from another but they are indeed the same thing the lord is one in all his he has no parts or passions right 
people, we can equivocate. We can lie. We can have something in our mouth different from something in our mind. Not the Lord. He speaks and he does out of the stock and store of simply who he is. It's a great meditation on the unity of God. And then uh, we come to the end of the psalm. After that powerful voice is doing all of that work. Notice the Lord will give strength unto his people. He will bless his people with peace. We may uh, be tempted to think, reading through Psalm 29, uh, wow, there's all of this breaking and tearing and overturning going on with the voice of the Lord. How shall we stand before him? But notice, the Lord will give strength unto his people. He will bless. Notice the word of the Lord toward his people is a word of blessing. He will bless his people with peace. And may I say it this way, beloved? If it is the voice of the Lord that is the Lord himself, that when he blesses, he blesses with that divine sincerity and simplicity that belongs to his voice. Right? All right. Thus ends the reading of Psalms 28 and 29.